in it. I think if that guy in the purple Hyundai from Connecticut had had some kids and a wife, I would have gone back for him, but I didn't. All right, here we are. It's super local number 11. 11. 11. We're, we're over the hump. We are over the hump. We're over the hump. We always said, let's do it and see if we can get to 10, and then we'll keep doing it for another 10. And then, uh, and now here we are. Yeah, the, I don't think the network has picked us up for another 10, but we're going to do another 10. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a pilot. It's kind of a pilot episode. Yeah, thing. totally. Well, we have John Kidder here. John, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's awesome. thank you for having me. It's, um, it's great, John Kidder, uh, of Randolph, Vermont, and of uh, Vermont Tech fame. Uh, what? So what? What's going on in Randolph right now? Like, what's 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 the big story as like a local in Randolph? Well, there's a lot going on uh, around something called Randolph Reenergized. Oh, really? So there's a huge local. We were selected as one of, um, and I'm going to get the title wrong, but a town. That's why we brought you a climate, a sustainable climate economy town, a model town, and there's only there only a handful selected in all of Vermont. So we were selected in. And I'm also going to get the uh, organization wrong, but they came to our town. We had a large organizational meeting about two weeks ago, getting fired up about what would the town look like in 10 years to be um, sustainable, to be adjusting to a climate economy, to just be growing as a Vermont small town. That's awesome. And then on and so two wait, nights ago, they did a revisit of that. I didn't go to that part of the meeting. That is, so, okay. What is going on in Randolph that has to do with beer or food? Well, should we have a brewery in town? <laughs> no, and I'll, right. I'll branch off from that to lodging. One of the big issues comes up with lodging. Yeah. Exit 4, which is where Randolph is off I-89, it had a big battle last year where there were people who really didn't want any sort of development up at Exit 4. You mean like where the McDonald's is and the gas station and the driving range? Yes, that right there. <laughs> and so there's been lots of discussions about... And it's in there, it's McDonald's has a driving range? Well, it's right across the street. All right. I left it's it not, not there anymore. I left, it, it used to have a driving range last year. All right. it's no, there's no longer a driving range there. Where did they right. put it? Well, Sam Sam has sold that to... Um, to uh, the conservation Sam Sam is that what you said Sam Samus is his name Sam Samus wait who's Sam Samus oh we have to get into that well he he owned the Three Stallion Inn oh yeah which Which has been sold to the Brunswick Schools now the Brunswick Schools um, rural campus it's a a school in Connecticut so the Three Stallion is no longer owned by the the Samus family okay Um, and the Brunswick Schools there there's a lot of trails around there Rasta had their you know the Rochester area Rochester Randolph area ski uh, trail trails alliance, alliance yes, yeah. who run a lot of backcountry areas and bike trails. Had a big trail meeting there to discuss the trails there. So there's a lot of discussion around Randolph around outdoor recreation. Where could we the possibility of building lodging by the highway or downtown? There's some people who would like to see a downtown hotel. So so the I guess so, so there's a lot so the going issue on with in lodging, the, the issue with lodging is that you don't have you don't have a place for people to stay is what you're trying to say. Right? Yes. Especially because the three stallion inn is no longer on And the, the heart market. of the debate is do you build it up by the interstate or do you build it down in town? And um, people see it both ways. And I'll yeah, I'll play that out for you. You put it by the interstate and then they just get back on the interstate, right? You have it in town, and maybe well, no, they don't, don't come into town. Right, no, but, but, you know, you're right. But that's like, the argument. You're right. Right, and then you put it in town, and maybe they don't come into town. They go to the next one because they want to be on the interstate. But I, I certainly, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, and there's and there's Bell Mains, which was um, used to be Ben Franklin. So people have probably seen Ben Franklin was sort of an, an iconic department store in Vermont for a long time, and it went back to being Bell Mains and ran up. And Bell Mains is closed. We have a very large. Ben Franklin was a was a department store in Vermont. It was yeah. no, it's not a department store, but like a dime store. Yeah, which and there's one in Middlebury. There's there was one in Boulder, Colorado, where yeah. I grew up. So well, I don't know. I uh, I've never heard Vermont. of this chain. Well, so maybe it's not a Vermont thing, but there was there was a few in Verm- small towns in Vermont and Bell Mains. It it went back to being Bell Mains about five years ago, and it's actually closed now. Right. What else happened? Um, Chef's Market, which was outside of town. Yeah. Um, run by Scott and Tanya Aronson, good friends of mine. 
they moved their, which has really fine foods, good stuff, into the depot. So there's a beautiful renovated building, right, which is an old railroad depot building. Right. right on I know exactly. The railroad tracks. Chef's Market moved into that about a week ago. Well, so that's, they're revitalizing it down. Was there not like a coffee shop there before? Yep. There was. And it kind of. It was called the depot. It was the depot. <laughs> which right. Sam Samus was a person who owned that building and was was running that restaurant. And so what are I have a whole image of Sam Samus. <laughs> what is your Sam Samus? He's got a cloak or. Or a cape or something <laughs> or other. Yeah, that's just Sam like, Samus. Yeah. Like, that is a, that is an interesting name for sure. Yeah, but he's a longtime Randolph. He came to Randolph in the '70s and bought a lot of property, the three stallion and all the right. property around it. So he has been in a lot of property downtown and he's still trying to sell those buildings. Yes. So it's interesting. So wait. Wow. So, so Johnny. So long you, game. You moved to Randolph when? Two thousand two. 2002. January of 2002. And you moved from Seattle? Was that? Washington, D.C. Oh, that's right. You were down in... Tacoma Park. That's right. Tacoma Park. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Because you were down there working at the University of Maryland. Nuclear free zone. Thank goodness. Tacoma Park, Boulder, Colorado, Berkeley, California. Nuclear free zone. Thank God. I'm pretty sure Tacoma... Maybe there's more now, but back when I... Tacoma Park is also dry, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Might be. Yeah, no, yes, it's true because when we came down there and visited you, we had a really hard time finding beer. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> and so you were at, you were at the University of Maryland working down there, right? Yep, teaching engineering, and I transitioned to Vermont Tech, which is what brought me to Randolph. And that was a all right. Let let's dig into it because Chicky and I were talking about this. So you were uh, you were a you were a college guy. You were working for colleges, and the Vermont Tech change was really. It was a shift, right? Like I it was a shift you... in the sense that I was at a big, a big universities where you run research programs with graduate students and you teach, and I came to a college that really just focuses on education. Right. I did, so. and, and and you know, and I, I don't know. I can't remember. Were you looking at a variety of things, or were you just basically like, this is actually really what I want to do? I wanted to teach at a small school that taught engineering, which is hard to do. A lot of small colleges are liberal arts schools. They right. don't have engineering programs. And I was really interested in going to a smaller place and just focusing on teaching and not doing the the research rat race. I'm just right. have a place that just focused on teaching. How long had Vermont Tech been around when you jumped in? 1884. What? Wow. Really? Well, so it turned to Vermont. I was thinking more like 1984. No, it turned to Vermont Technical College in like maybe the 1960s. Yeah. And before that, it was named something else. It's been there since the 1880s in that same site in Randolph Center, Vermont. Whoa. Wait, so. And we still try to build a sidewalk and the neighbors complain and say we're ruining the historical print. So after we kicked the South's ass in the Civil War. They're like, let's set up a technical college in Vermont. It was a, it was called a normal school, I believe. At first, it was a teacher's school, and then it and then it became an ag school, right. and sort right. of like ag school. And yeah. so it didn't so it evolve. Into and so in some ways, things. you're right. It didn't evolve into Vermont Technical College. And to be honest, when I came only 16 years ago, we only <laughs> had two bachelor's degrees, and it was all two year associate degrees. And we're still sort of digging out of that reputation. Now we offer. Two dozen different bachelors of science degrees. Really? And we offer degrees in engineering. And people don't really know that, so we're making a big push right now to try to get that better recognized. All right, so let's, let's our just, graduates do really let's well. Let's dig on it. So Vermont Tech has how many students? Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Yeah, that's. And so it's got a traditional kind of campus in Randolph Center where there's maybe a thousand. Yeah. And maybe seven hundred live there. Traditional students, dorms, yeah. sports teams, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then there are other sites, Williston, we have a campus with a few hundred people in Williston. Driven past it. And then we have nursing sites scattered throughout the state. So we have it's it is spread around the state quite a bit. And what the nursing healthcare program has to dwarf everything else, I would imagine. No. It's about no. <laughs> equal number of nurse it's bigger. There's yeah. approximately five hundred students probably nursing. And approximately 500 students in computing and engineering. And then oh, the, right. the balance is in sure. things like agriculture, construction management, auto and diesel technology, um, pilot technology up in Williston. We train pilots. We have bachelors of science. They become Wait, commercial what? pilots. Wow. Really? It's a commercial pilot program. We get a bachelors of science and professional pilot. Technology. If only you could do that in a weekend. That that, <laughs> no, that, yeah, that program <laughs> that program costs a lot more. Yeah, it's run yeah. through the Vermont Flight Academy. is coordinated with that, so right. it's it's coordinated with them. 
And there are much larger course fees when you go do the pilot program. I'm and then sure. you do mechanical engineering with me because yeah. you're flying airplanes. How many how many how many young brains do you have in your control in the mechanical engineering program? Overall, like a little more than a hundred right now, maybe 110, 120 in our department, which yeah. includes a bachelor's of science in manufacturing, which has been a huge hit. Manufacturing is big on the rise, and those students are Hot and demand. So we've got brand new bachelors of science in manufacturing. So, to, and what does that, what does that mean? Like, like, what, yeah, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? What are they learning? They started, they, this is how I put it. In the first two years, they do a lot of stuff related to mechanical engineering and a little bit of electricity. So they learn how to make things. They learn CAD. They learn machining. Yep. Okay. And then in the second half, you learn how to make money making things. So you learn, <laughs> learn, you learn more of that stuff. You Can we just apply the making money part to anything? Or well, that's manufacturing is really making money making yeah. stuff. So it, in the first two years, you learn how to make one. And then in the second two years, you say, like, okay, what if you want to make a thousand? Right. And, and a thousand an hour. Like right. How are you going to do that? So okay. they take lean manufacturing, quality assurance. They take advanced C and C, which is computer numerical control, like automated machining. They learn how to use other automated robots. They learn um, uh, courses and that's those sorts of things. That's awesome. Do you do you have um, like at Vermont Tech in the mechanical engineering program? Do you have a rivalry with another department? Like when you guys have like no. the admit the, like your inter school? They don't even try to compete. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't that's and awesome. because and actually this is a, this is you're, you're, you're hitting just the right timing for finding out what's going on with Montex so I we're it's we're just time. evolving now as a better way of kind of communicating what we do there into into schools so we're going to organize right. a school of engineering and, and, and computing for example and a school of allied health and nursing we're actually just in the process in the next coming weeks we'll be deciding how we name them, who goes in which. Oh, really? So uh, right as now, a way right of now, coordinating our programs better, so, and it make it look more like a college. So right. it's a growth thing then, because more. Yeah, we like to grow. We more like and more, more kids are coming, and and yeah. it, it's important to to put them in one department or the other, and this school or the other. Yeah, yeah. And we could use them, like for example, the, the program architectural engineering used to have a, a well over a hundred students, and that's gone down somewhat, maybe because of. The real estate credit crunch and right. things and other People things are not changed. Building houses. There are fewer students in Vermont. I mean, I was just listening to Vermont Edition driving. Right. Away. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not talk about other okay. people. <laughs> so <Yeah>. anyhow, <laughs> that, you know, you hear about what's going on with schools. Everyone that lives in Vermont knows yeah. they, they they know a local community near them. They're like trying to figure out how to consolidate a couple small schools. Yeah. Everyone's feeling that crunch. Sports teams don't quite have enough as many people in in some parts of the state, not in all parts of the state. But it's interesting. I, I, it's an interesting thing. I, I and our college definitely feels that. I totally agree with that. I think it's um, it's really a rural versus urban thing. I mean, I I, I see the consolidation of sports teams and schools rurally in Vermont, but yeah. at the same point, like. You look at Chittenden County and Burlington; it's blown up. It is like, so. There's I mean, that. There's a huge. It's a different. It's a different, and, and I think it's, you know, my thing when you look at Vermont and you look at community challenges, it's really easy to look at it as if it's in a vacuum and it's only that community. And you have to recognize that two hours away, three hours away, there are a lot of people who are like side by side looking for places to go, and and I and, and you know, and it's hard. Like I know we want to you know, keep the Vermont vibe alive. But at the same point, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about, about how that's all going. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. so Vermont Tech, like heading into graduation, uh, like what, what's Vermont Tech graduation? When's it going to happen? What's that going to look like? It's happening on May, it's two days, Friday and Saturday, this coming, I think, 18th and 19th, if I have my dates right. And so, um, and because they split it, we do it on our campus. We used to go... We used to always do it on our campus, and then we moved to Norwich University for a handful of years because we don't have a large facility, right? Um, right. And um, which having a big athletic field house would be a great project to have at the college. <laughs> yeah. And um, right. But we don't do that, so we split it as a you know, ten out on the lawn, and then so it's back on campus, and so that's this coming weekend. Yeah. And do the uh, do the engineering students do a graduation? prank or project or, or no that, and it's that, interesting because this year we've been talking about in terms of building community at the college trying to identify sort of icons you know things that all schools have these like little icons they might be like freshman yeah. trips or like pranks or like right maybe, maybe not pranks like but so we wanted to go back people don't realize 
We used to have a competitive, like a nationally ranked alpine ski team and a Wait, Nordic team. Really? In the 1970s. Yeah. Vermont, at, at its level, at the yeah. small college level, Vermont Tech is a rope tow. So yeah. we're skiing there. And they now, of course, ski racing has changed since the 1970s. It's a, all sports have changed. But um, just getting back to having a winter carnival, just doing some things. What we And there's a big initiative right now to develop a whole bunch of mountain biking trails around the campus. Yeah. Because that's what we have in Randolph Center. So you might as well play to your strengths. Plenty, like, 100%. And, and with tying with Ross, uh, Ross is trying to coordinate with them so they would have a trail system that sort of goes through. All right, tell, tell everybody what Ross is. So that's the Randolph, Randolph, Randolph and Rochester area um, Sports Trails Alliance, I think it's called. Right. And, Sports Trails Alliance. And as I understand, they have like an annual shindig, like a, a festival down there, right? Mountain bike festival? The, well, no, they don't have it. We used to have a big mountain bike festival in Randolph, but they don't anymore. Okay. But, but they're mainly. But you know what? I'm not that familiar with Rochester, so I wouldn't be a good person. But it's a group in Rochester and and Randolph, and they are. Um, I mean, they they got permission from the National Forest Service, and I don't know the details of this, but to open the the Brandon Gap backcountry cool. area, so yep. it could clear glades. And I've been I right. ski over at the Braintree Mountain area, so. That's sort of a new model where you've got these areas and people are just going out and hiking and skiing in wilderness areas that have been opened up and, and they're really cleared out glades. So you go to the top of these mountains and it's they're nice, you know. It's, I've heard it's nothing little, but awesome stuff oh, about great. the trail. It's great. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, and then it transitions to mountain biking. Yeah, yeah. And so when you join Rasta, you're actually joining the Catamount Trail Association. So I think oh, CTA, it's sort of under that umbrella. Yeah. And I'd encourage anyone to go join. So it's yeah, Rasta, it's the acronym. And it, it is interesting, you know, my, so I was talking to Chuck about it, actually, and he... A Braintree native. Yeah, right? And it was a, a friend of his who was the first person to approach a large landowner in Braintree, or maybe even actually the, the landowner in Braintree approached him about, how do I put some trails on this? How do I allow people to use right. this? What do I do? I have no idea how to yeah. do this. I'm, I'm Paul Kendall and Braintree donated hundreds of acres. And right. Did it, right. And that's where you can just go and walk on, you know, you can they have access. And, and it's, oh, and cool. it's remarkable. I mean, there's a, you know, this idea that, you know, these trail systems can be a draw to these rural areas is a huge, is a huge deal, you know, and, and mm -hmm. um, the Rasta things happening, there's uh you know, a number of properties that they're using. There's this, you know, a Scutney is going through this whole thing too. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, what's going on at a Scutney, but you know, they used to have a scary there, which closed down. And now I think it got fire too. It's all backcountry trails and yeah. mountain bikes. Yeah. 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 And, and Randolph's trying yeah. to do, they know this. So like in the fall, they have a one on the weekend. I think it's Columbus day weekend. I'm often not there just cause I'm away usually then, but that they have an event there where it's a mountain biking, um, um, gravel grinder, I think, or something like yeah, that. So the there's a gravel grinder grind. going on. There's a, there's like a that's what I heard about. 10k yes. run yeah. going on, and Ben Hill Brewery is there, so they have a brew fest. And last year they did it out of goat farm. So Vermont Creamery's uh, Miles Hooper, who is a local guy, whose mother Allison Hooper started Vermont Creamery many years ago. Yeah, I love their cheese. Um, they, there's a huge goat farm. I look at that for my house, and they and so. You like to think of Randolph as so the like goat that? capital of Vermont I was, or, you say or huge, New England. When you say I think huge. that's what we were saying. I mean, <laughs> goat capital of New England. When you say huge uh, huge goat farm, does that mean that it's a farm of huge goats? Or is it no, really large? No, many goats. Although I can't tell you exactly how many, and I'm just using huge loosely there. <laughs> so, that's awesome. It seems like a giant group of goats seems so unruly. I will say that it seems so unruly. Between I, the I, roster group, I mean, I've been there for 16 years, and so my kids are now, one's in college, one's moving his way out of high school. It does seem to be an energy there, like Miles Hooper and, and Zach Freeman, who is very involved in Ross. He's the Ross vice president. There's a young crowd there that's really pushing for, like, Let's do this outdoor sports recreation. They are all friends with the guy who runs Ben Hill Brewery. They're all the same yeah. age. They all got young kids. They're all pushing to like say, let's make this community something. Look, could so, be a lot to it. So talk to me about Ben Hill Brewery. They, they have a they have a tasting room. They have a brew pub. What's their deal? Yeah, and I'm not going to do even though it's really close to my house. I'm not going to be doing a good job there. It's right. up um, on Ben Hill Road. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I, the most I know about it is. Um, Mike Zock is the baseball coach at Randolph High School. It's his son. <laughs> I'm stretching right. for knowledge here. Yeah, I'm, that's all right. And yeah. I've drinking their beer down at the one main brewery down yeah, in town. I've had been. So I actually yeah. have not been yeah. to the Brent Hill Brewery. I should. People yeah. have gone up there and gotten growlers and stuff. I haven't been to Brent Hill Brewery. That's myself. okay. Nobody's, nobody's judging. 
Is there a place like right on the corner of the? That's the, yeah. That's one name. That's that's the brew pub. I had to play a gig at Montague Golf Course. I, I played oh, yeah? music. Uh, we were playing an anniversary party. Chuck's father, I think. Really? Yeah. And we we. Hung What's out. Chuck's last name? Gates. Chuck Gates. I don't know if I know him. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we, we had beers at yeah. the at the the brew pub yeah. right there on the corner, and I was like Randolph. Got it going on. Yeah, it totally. does. It's you got, got a, you got a hospital. Got, you got a technical college. Yes, yeah. it's, 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 it's got it's a beauty. Right. It's got a center for the arts. Chandler for center for the right. arts. It's like you know. I yeah. keep I keep reading that Gallagher's going to be there. No, mm-hmm. there's better stuff than Gallagher. <laughs> I know there is, but it's <laughs> all I keep hearing about. Like about, a radio. About five like, years ago, the Avet Brothers played at Chandler Music Hall. I, You're kidding. And no one heard about it. And I went downtown. There was thousands of cars. It was like all every student from Dartmouth came up or something. Somehow. They booked them before they were popular. They the even brothers and yeah, and Chandler. I I could do. Could Did Greg it. Brown play and there? Gallagher? I've seen Greg Brown play there. I've right. Seen, I've seen Martin Sexton play there. Right. Martin Sexton did an awesome show there. He was like both he was great. Both great names. Great dudes. Wow. Yeah, right. Was, I, I mean, that's like, like when was the last time Greg Brown played the Valley? It's it's time yeah. to leave the Valley. <laughs> Randolph has got it going on. Yeah. Completely. And you don't have to drive an hour if you break your arm or something. <laughs> Because they got a hospital. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's we, we lament having to drive so far over to go skiing. And when the Roxbury Gap sure. got mudded in this spring, it just oh. threw a huge wrench into everything. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my path. I was like, oh, my God. I, I, I should give a quick um, update that the Roxbury Gap is totally looking good right now. Is it? Well, you yeah. just came no, I just came over. It is looking good. It is looking good. There's still signs it's, that like commit you. I, I, but I came up at... Last time I came up, it there was a guy from Connecticut in the purple Hyundai up to the undercarriage. <laughs> purple Hyundai. <laughs> I was coming skiing about a month ago. Oh my goodness! I don't know. I won't go off on that story. But then I met some locals <laughs> down below, Curtis and Silas. They laughed at me when I wanted to borrow a chain. And they only let me drive in the driveway because my my license plates were green. And then I became fast and furious friends with them, and then drove downtown. Met I learned about Tim Martin, who is like the mayor of Roxbury. Runs the wrecking crew. His house is next to the garage, <laughs> but he wasn't home. Oh, and there's no cell service, so I then nope. had to drive 15 miles to Northfield, tr- still trying to get to Sugarbush, just to and, get a cell signal. And I left a message on Tim Martin's phone yeah. uh, at home and told him there was a guy from Connecticut in a purple, purple Hyundai. Hyundai. <laughs> and I wonder how many days. And do you know about the, the the Roxbury Gap stat? Yeah, I discovered yeah, okay. that the okay. next what day. The, yes. What is the Roxbury Gap stat? Well, uh, Melanie Hall, who's, I think her family lives, like, right across the river here, right? Oh, oh, oh yeah. The Something Halls. like that. Yeah. yeah, she has, like, a Facebook page. Facebook page. Shows you pictures. Well, updated pictures. You, yeah. Every I day. I started using the Facebook as the, the Gap stat. Yeah, as the quality of I mean, the, there was no other way to really know. You would get so a it's photo. Just a, it's just a photo. It's not, there's no Is rating. it open? Is it closed? Yeah. Like, nasty. Is it pictures. open? Is it closed? Yeah. It's like... Not yet. There's a huge rut, so someone's jeep like <laughs> sunk up to its axles. You're like, okay, I was gonna try to haul this guy out. He broke all the first set of straps, <laughs> and then Silas told me he wrecked it. Quote unquote, wrecked a bunch of rigs going up there, getting people out of there. And I was like, I'm not ruining my truck. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I was on my way over here. They all right. So, so let's just shift really quickly because yep. this is reminding me of a, of a story, and I'm not exactly sure where it's going, but. So you drove over in your pickup truck? What did you drive yep. over? Yeah. But once upon a time, you had uh, an Azuzu Trooper, right? Yeah. Right? Drew remembers the Trooper. Yeah, I remember the Trooper. Now, <laughs> and at one point... Was that a, uh, an 88 or 89? It was. Question. No, it was an 86. Oh. So this was... I was so close. Yeah. 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 It was a square one. Yeah. The real original. Right. One of the first SUVs. I remember yeah. watching an ad on it's television, First SUV. and it was like, you know, Paris to Dakar, and this guy goes flying, I was like, he's living in Los Angeles, like, I should get one of those things. So you, could, you could get beige, <laughs> white, or blue, and they all have the same interior. <laughs> and yeah. They were super, yeah. And wasn't so, it like Joe Isuzu, like, like that, that, he was the It was that era. era. Joe Isuzu. Is that right? I think it was, yeah. And he was like kind of the... Like a liar, like a liar, or the world's most interesting man hybrid kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, Joe. Well, the reason I bring up the trooper is because did you not hit a donkey with your Isuzu trooper? I did. Yeah, I hit a donkey when. Uh, in fact, when I first met Drew, I met him in Seattle. So I was moving to Seattle, and on the way, 
Spent the night at Red Rocks outside of Las Vegas, which is an amazing climbing area, huge red cliffs. But you're camping in the desert outside of Las Vegas, which I don't recommend. I did it once. <laughs> I was like, there's a lot of strange people out there. <laughs> Woke up in the morning and watched all the marathon runners with weird-looking bodies running their 16-mile loop in the desert at like 107 degrees. <laughs> and so I did a loop because it was sort of a historic. You can go see the sides. Did this one loop and was driving. You ran up. a loop with the marathon? No, in my car with the air conditioning. Oh, okay. With I don't the know. There's no air conditioning now. I don't think this is like windows were open. This is like a safari mobile. Yeah. 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 But I was driving down the road and I had read that they had wild burrows and was thinking, wow, they've got wild burrows here. And right then one ran up onto the road <laughs> and I hit it. And so, uh, yeah, that was that, that, that was, and so what, went on for a while. I remember that. like, I remember that's when I first it. heard about Bondo. And burrow? Well, it was a donkey. Do? So, and okay. yeah, I hit but it. how the burrow do? Yeah. I think it's that. Well, funny. I... I, I wasn't sure until I got to Seattle and had to talk to an insurance person. And they said, well, did you kill the donkey? And I was like, well, why does it matter? And like, well, if it killed the donkey, it was like, you know, it was comprehensive. But the other way, it was collision. Are you serious? And I, I said, what's deductible is less. And when I found out, I was like, oh, yeah, that thing was dead. You know? um, but I think I saw it get up oh. off the ground. I mean, it was horrible. I shouldn't we're being judged. It was hard. It was just like the size of a horse. This thing just like to be clear, know, this is a tough question. We're super. Up. We are very pro donkey on this. So, so I looked up. We I, always I did. Been. I did always. look up. In, you know, between you and me, because I mean, we're not with the insurance guy anymore. I did look up. The donkey got up and ran in the desert, but I was worried about it. But you're pretty sure it's dead. Yeah. As far as I insurance, know. Goes. it's strange that ago. from you know an insurance standpoint, like did you total the other donkey or <laughs> that was the whole thing? Right? Yeah, that's you bizarre. Know. Isn't it bizarre? And I had to like come up with whether I killed the donkey and first ask whether the deductible was less or not. But, uh, and then I found out, so then I got to a 76 station. I feel like you can get fined like if you hit wildlife. It was, yeah. And I was told that by a guy with a tracheotomy who had just gotten out of the hospital but lost all his money in gambling and needed a ride to Los Angeles. And I was like, I, this is like a movie. Did you get him all right? No. Wait, you said that was a really that was a slow. I actually answer. drove very quickly out of the gas station. I think I saw him running behind me in the same rearview mirror that I just seen the dead donkey in. Like you know, <laughs> it was a very very strange day and continued on to Los Angeles. Oh, I'm day. so glad we. It was a long day. day. It's funny that my friends, not only Drew, all seem to remember that story. <laughs> it's a great story. It's an excellent story. All right, so. Check, check on the donkey Azuzu Trooper story. I couldn't really remember what the Azuzu Trooper donkey story was. It kept going. I lived I, all through Seattle. I moved to, to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Had new parts, but that thing was old. I advertised that thing in Washington, D.C., sold it, drove it down the lot, down, down to a little parking lot in Tacoma Park, and a guy followed me into the lot and bought it. That was such a hot what? commodity. Yeah. I think it's because... I got thousands of calls, and it's because they... Any manual shift carbureted four wheel drive vehicle they put on boats and send to developing countries. When I advertised really? that thing in the Washington, when well, I advertised the 1986 Zusu Trooper in the Washington Post, it was like boom! I got because it had calls. a lot of power or something like that. It's a four cylinder, super simple to fix, carbureted oh, okay. engine, four wheel right. drive. Right. It's probably being used as a technical by ISIS right now, but you know we won't <laughs> think that. <laughs> Way to mention ISIS so that we're going to get Literally, I, I drove it out of my driveway and the guy those, followed those me in like the parking lot and bought him. Yeah, Toyotas. I mean, they're easy to fix. They, you yeah. know, when we lived in Seattle, we bought a, a Datsun B210 from Chuck Gorkowitz, um for $300. Chuck Gorkowitz. And, uh, we had it for I think of the Tacoma Gorkowitz. Tu- no, he's of the uh, Montana Gorkowitz. Jersey. Go- I think he's well, Jersey. Now he's from Jersey. But he's oh, from the Caucasus Gorkowitz. Caucasus Gorkowitz. Sure, Gavarkovitz. and uh, <laughs> and we had it for like two years and sold it for like three hundred and fifty dollars. Never put oil in it. You know, I mean, those cars. I mean, they're amazing. They like. I miss the Trooper. You miss it. You do. You just missed the charter. It was classic. I mean, it was like one of the first of those kinds. It was. Yeah. The full square box, the whole nine yards. We had, like, at that in that era, we had uh, the Volkswagen Vanagon, which I miss. Every and day. the Pacer. And the Pacer. The Pacer was Dude, a great I car. I drove to a lacrosse tournament in a Pacer wearing lacrosse helmets down the highway. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> they had a pacer, like a full rounded glass. Yeah. My brother had a pacer that someone gave him. Yeah. Well, just that's how you get them. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you don't buy Yeah, them. there was no value to them. No. They were, they were, no. They were just. People are happy to see them go. No. They were gifts. And people are so happy to get them. Well, the pacer, so Barrett actually, uh, my, my significantly better half, Barrett, uh, was working on a, uh, a film. And one of the crew members, you know, they're up in Seattle and they're on a shoot and they needed the car. And he was a member of the California Pacer Drivers Association. Because in California, cars are like driving is so celebrated as being idiotic that what better way to celebrate the idiocy of driving than to drive a pacer? And you know, the pacer is like, it, it, it looks it's those like, windows where would yeah. you ever get the windows and, like, and it was a ridiculous car and like <laughs> but it was super wide it was super wide like and then Seattle you know we had that neighborhood <laughs> with that narrow cement driveway we could barely get up it um, it had uh, uh, I want to say it had it had an 8 track cassette in it is that not right and it had like a Tom Waits cassette in it, or 8 track in it that's great. It was so great. It couldn't oh. go, it couldn't go faster than sixty miles an hour, and so John and I drove down to Portland one time. And that was an AMC product. AMC, just like the Gremlin. Yes. yes. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea if they had anything to do with GMC. Ah, uh, AMC. I don't know. AMC was Jeep too. Then wasn't it for a little while? <laughs> Jeep was part of AMC. Oh, it's a great my. question. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we have a lot of interns, but they're currently busy. <laughs> Fetching things for the guests. That's right. That's right. The, well, uh, they'll get on it for a little while. AMC. Harley Davidson went AMC. Harley Davidson sold it was sold to AMC, and they were like the eight, and then they went back to being just Harley Davidson. Well, that was the bad time of Harley Davidson. It wasn't. Like, oh yeah, when they looked weird and they, they were, did. They, 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 went, they got sold to AMC, and they yeah went, yeah really yeah that's really for true. a short period of time. And then they went. They went back to their genuine roots. I don't know. All right. So, so switching right. from cars. So I was. Um, I had this really interesting conversation with one of my neighbors who was jogging by, and you know, he jogs by. I'm sitting on the porch drinking beers, not not exercising, and people come and visit, which is great. And, uh, and you know, we're chatting, and I was asking him what his son was doing, and, and his son had been. Uh, his son Nate has been living in Puerto Rico. You know, and surfing, and like they have a house down there that they're kind of setting up. But obviously, Puerto Rico was annihilated by the hurricanes yeah. recently, and so that has really changed things. And Nate came home, but um, he really wanted to do something for Puerto Rico, and he heard about this company in Scottsdale called I can't remember that company, like Zero Mass, and it is a company that has sold that, that it's like an integrated thing i'll show you but it's like a and i'm hoping to get him on we can chat with him but it's a solar panel that draws drinking water out of the air and so and that's and so the it's like mm. each solar panel creates like what four, is what is the math behind that it's a great question and uh, i was talking oh, to my shit. daughter about it <laughs> but it was but, it was, <laughs> but it's but it's creating four to five you buy one four to five liters of water a day out of the air. Out of the air. It's basically a dehumidifier, right? Yeah. It's a solar power dehumidifier. So it's right. It's it's the solar is the solar is just fueling the dehumidifying process. Right. But it's creating it and then purifying it so it's a drinkable, potable water, which I thought was fantastic. And and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into it and, and get They do on. have solar cooling systems, I don't know that much about them, where you would end up condensing water, but I don't know right. how but then, uh, like, if you put, like, all you have to do is, like, then add a, some sort of purification onto that condensed water, and then Bob's your uncle, right? Or just some sort of the, simple... The thing is, solar PV is so cheap right now, you just put a bunch of PV panels, just run a dehumidifier. Right, I've, I understand. <laughs> but imagine, but imagine, <laughs> like, if you have it as a self-contained, like, each one is its own thing, right? Like, you don't have to, yeah. you don't have to wire the whole thing. Right, and power's a problem. Right, mm -hmm. power's a problem, and, and nobody wants to rig it. They want it to just show up and work, right? And No, I thought it was really interesting. It was yeah. kind of an interesting process. And then I saw some other... There was another one that was a backyard biogas thing, which was a... It looks like, it looks like a little... A, a tiny little bouncy house that's about the size of a small tent. 
And you put like your garb your your compost in one side and it creates um okay. electricity. Well we have a we have a not to go back to Vermont Tech. Well we can. We can Vermont Tech has a mixed stream biodigester, so we it runs a three hundred. Wait, go back, go back because so, this is, so be good this for is my an interesting fact. Here's a quick fun wait, fact. Wait, what did you say? Mixed stream mixed stream anaerobic digester. Oh wait. Hey, anaerobic. We're gonna take a quick break. Okay. And we're back. Um, so just jumping right to it. So we're, we're talking about a little bit about energy creation and, and aerobic stuff. Aerobic you said like that thing in the backyard methane. In the backyard methane. But what, what, so Vermont Tech is almost a sustainable campus energy-wise. So electricity-wise, we have an anaerobic digester, which is like cow power. Most people in Vermont know that as cow power. Where an you got anaerobic digester. Okay, you're talking to... Like, so bio, so we got you got bacteria, yeah. which means that anaerobic means there's no oxygen. Okay, and that's about as much as I know. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not a bio, biologist, but but yeah, but the idea is cow poop turns into produces methane, which everyone sort of instinctively knows anyhow. Yeah, and then all the cow power is what I think about twenty of these things around the state where you have manure that produces methane and it goes into a bag and then you run it through some sort of a generator, you burn that methane to make electricity. Wow. Um, but food has a lot more energy, like grease or whey or these kinds of things have a lot more energy. Back to the future. Manure. Right. Frylater oil. Frylater oil. Wait, kind of I like the car in Back to the Future. Like at the end, yeah. when he comes back, he's putting the garbage into it and that's fueling the whole car. Doc somebody, what was his that. name? Doc. Yeah. Right. So we're pretty much like running a DeLorean over there. Only just like a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. not brush the loom, brush exactly. steel. But uh, yeah, so the college years ago, we put this thing in and I'll be honest, we stuck our necks out on this. We bonded on it and owed money and we've gotten it running. And, um, but it's a mixed room digester that could take food waste. And now that Act 48, is it Act 48? 148, that that has food waste is a yes. statute that was enacted in Vermont where you're not allowed to throw out food. We're going to be moving towards don't put your food waste into, into the landfills. Uh-huh. Um, so we get waste from actually from Alchemist, from um, All Ben and Jerry's everybody. and places like that. And, and so you can, so you get a lot of energy out of that. So we have a seven, 375 kilowatt generator. It's like a diesel engine, but it's running off of methane and burns. And we have a big solar array down below. So Between wait, those so two, many? we make almost all of and, and soon, I think it's like 2020, like nobody yeah. is, is going to be allowed to put food waste into the landfill. Really? So Yeah, at the moment, I think it's just like commercial endeavors, Sugarbush is one of them, right. hospitals, that sort of thing. So now, yeah, but, big, but certainly big food processors won't be able to just throw away large amounts of waste. In Germany, places like Germany have these kinds of digesters, I mean, they have to put a little collector and turbine on every waste treatment plant and make electricity from the gas that's coming off of it. Huh. So it's, right. um, you could definitely get a lot of energy out of it. So it's trickier when you're just doing a dairy farm, the chemistry's simpler, just nothing but manures going in. So there's not a lot of, you have to do to figure out how to get mm -hmm. to work. When you're mixing different things, we have a professor over there who's a biochemist and she spends a lot of time, the person who operates it spends a lot of time looking at the chemistry they have a lot of trouble with just getting the waste to be clean. If people send right. in like plastic forks and gravel right, and right. things like that, so there are, there are things we're working on, but it's wait. It's, so yeah. wait, back it up. So you're saying that all of Vermont Tech's campus power is powered from garbage? Well, we offset it. So technically, the gener the digester feeds into the grid, and our 620 kilowatt solar array, which is you know these trackers, these all earth removal trackers, yeah. hundred of those down in a field. All yeah. over it. That feeds into the grid. So it's about three quarters of the electricity that we right. use on campus it is it's offset by that. It's pushed like, into the grid yeah. for somebody to use. Right, exactly. So have you seen, like, um, I saw this story, I think it was last week, about the Burlington mayor, you know, and they're trying to go, I mean, I can't remember, Weinberg, Miro, Miro Weinberger, yeah. Um, and they're really trying to push the uh, energy sustainability in Burlington and right. try to make it completely... Um, self-sustainable. I think they're trying to get the McNeil plant to finally send heat back to the city. I, I don't know what that means. The McNeil um, chip chip burning generating plant outside the city, yeah, to the north end, yeah, is burns wood chips to make um, 
to make electricity, yeah. but you lose a lot of heat. And the idea was that when they built that years ago was that the heat could be piped in on like a district heating system into the community of Burlington. Yeah. Because you get all huge gain. Our college is trying to do that with our digester. This thing runs a generator. We're trying to take the heat. We burn a couple hundred thousand gallons of heating oil each year. Yeah, that sure. would have a huge impact footprint. Yeah. Right. Under footprint impact if you could take that heat and offset oil use. And, so and oil is going up. So I think they're finally, they are, there was a big push in Burlington. Well, there's a big push, and, like, the thing that I was seeing was they were talking about, uh, God, what was it? It was, like, an e-bike sharing program, and e-bikes is something that has come on my, my radar lately of, which is basically bicycles with, like, little electric battery packs to give you... You haven't used one? I have never been on an e-bike. Oh, you've got the yeah, Dunes Bike Shop in Rochester. Has he got e-bikes? Yeah, and they, they are different than you think. They they don't they don't actually kick in until you start pedaling. Right. And then it's an assist. So they're much smarter than it's not like a yeah. throttle. I, right? This is the bike for me. <laughs> oh yeah, you you gotta try to ride home. I was just and riding my bike the other day and I was like, oh my god, this Yeah, is and the motors drag. the motors are all I'm encased. Do all of it. Right. The motors are all encased in the hubs, the power's all encased in the frame. You look at it, you oh. there is no like motor on it. And it, and you just pedal and it just kicks in and you stop pedaling and, and it doesn't. It's not, <laughs> well which which makes it much easier to control because the idea of using a throttle, I mean that's why I think you have mopeds on like Martha's Vineyard and stuff. People yeah, are plowing yeah. into the moped trucks. was yeah. It's dangerous, you know. Yeah. People don't know how to control them. These things you just pedal and they just kick in and when you stop pedaling they're not giving you power. So they sense what you're doing. But did the e-bike have anything to do with with the city of Burlington? Well, there was some sort of initiative that they had just talked about that uh, the mayor had, had was proposing that was a... Uh, well, people sort of these in cities. They put them around. You can use them. It was like an yeah. e-bike sharing yeah. program yeah. that they're trying to get going. So it's not just... You know, bike sharing is a really common thing. You go sure. to New York City or D.C. or whatever. Right. And now they're trying to elevate it to e-bike sharing, which is um, a level more complicated because conceivably... Well, here's the thing. It's like uh, de Blasio in New York City. Like last year, they were confiscating e-bikes because they didn't know how to treat them. Do you treat them as a motor vehicle? Do you right. treat them as a, like, if you can go 35 miles an hour on an e-bike, is that a moped? Or, you know, like there's just, it's like there's a bunch of sort of gray areas to, as to how to treat it right yeah. now. I remember with motorcycles and scooters and things like that, it was always... Like the, the, the CCs, how, how big the engine was. Right. But this is, like, you can't tell, you know. Right. And, and, and I think it's confusing. And, you know, when it's recreational, like up at um, Rikert Nordic Center, up at Middlebury Gap, they had, like, we were up there a couple of years ago for a Nordic race. They have fat bikes to ride on the winter trails with e-batteries. So you can go wheeling around on the wow. Nordic trails on a fat bike, which sounds super fun. Right, totally like, fun, you know, um, because riding in the winter is hard anyway, and so having a little e assist is awesome. And I've seen it; I've seen it in Vermont. I've seen, I've been driving in the southern part of Vermont and been on like a steep road and seen people who are not in great shape just having a lovely time pedaling uphill. Right. Um, and honestly, uh, well, that was when we were doing the Randolph Reenergize thing, and we were, they were like, "Think out of the box." We're trying to like, think, what do you, you know, what we should do? Yeah, we have a we have a park and ride at the top of the hill. Randolph is down in the valley. Yeah, so like if you had an e bike like sharing thing, yeah, the Vermont Tech students could take a bike down into town, and yeah. it's a long ride all the way up, which which sort of is prohibitive. But you now you need a bike trail, which we don't have on Route sixty six right there. You need Whoa. some sort of a bike, something. Right, a bike path on the it side. Of the road. Reminds me of what my son Felix does every day because I live on Golf Course Road, right next to Sugarbush Resort, and he loves riding his bike all the way down and then call to the valley to, <laughs> to go to school. Yeah, and then we go pick his bike up. Yeah, because he's not getting back up there. He's yeah. ten. Yeah, you know? and to have that kind of assist. But if you think way out, think if we go way out in terms of transportation in the state of Vermont in a place like the valley. Could we see a system of bike paths and things where people are actually yeah. using bikes a lot more than we do right now? Right. Especially if there was an e-charger. The one thing that the e-bikes are not great for, and nor is anything, is ice. 
So icy roads are a little bit right. challenging, but um, we all have these groovy models, and they all fall down <laughs> as soon as it turns to November. <laughs> That's not going to work now. Good groovy models. Give me like heat. <laughs> Start up the car and idle it at Cumberland Farms because it's so it defrosts <laughs> this thick ice off. The I know ocean. we're all back into. Yeah, November right. is a challenge. And and this is April, right? I mean, mud season in November. Those are those are that's the challenge in Vermont. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, try taking a Prius over Roxbury Gap. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I've had some troubles with the Toyota Matrix getting over that thing. I have a snow. Ford F one fifty crew cab, and I was not going past that road. I was like, "You're going to sink this thing in the mud." Silas told me so. <laughs> My friend Silas over there in Roxbury. It really is such a Daunting. It can Gauntlet, be, for know? a couple weeks. For it a couple weeks. This, this year, it's been it's been a couple months. Because then I went over. I went up into Northfield Falls, and you come over through into Moortown. What yeah. is that road? That's, That's what, the Moortown Gap. The Moortown Gap Mountain Road. Yeah. And it was Moortown like yeah. seven seven gauntlets. It was like <laughs> it was a longer yeah. road, and yeah. every yeah. two miles. It was like, oh, I make it through this one. And then I got to the last one, and there people were lined up. And I pulled up. The there's cars lined up at this one forty yard stretch that just, just looks nasty. Make it. Yeah. So I so I pull up. The, I pull up alongside a Honda Element with a guy, his wife, and his two kids. I'm like, you gotta go for it. He's like, I don't know. I couldn't really decide. I'm like, I'll go first. And there's there's people on the other side looking over. It's sure. Like, it's like we're on the other side of a river or something. You know, it's just like, can we do it? And I'm like, I go for it. I was going to my river. He made it, you know. Um, and it, I think if that guy in the purple Hyundai from Connecticut had, had some kids and a wife, I would have gone back for him, but I didn't. <laughs> he, he was a 20-something with a bit of stupid mistake. He was on his own. Yeah. He was on his own. Poor guy. Sucker. Sucker. Um, and there are not enough tow trucks for everybody in the in the state, or at least the... There are barely the enough tow trucks for us in the There's valley. one. There's yeah. one here in the valley. Yeah. And they show up when they need to. There's yeah. Tim Martin over in Roxbury. That's yeah. who I called. Yeah, uh, of course. And he, it sounded like his answering machine was picking up in his house, and he was probably out snow machining for the day. You know? <laughs> I was like, yeah. But I left the token message. Yeah. There's a guy stuck, and I think he really needs your help. <laughs> He's like, this is Tim. I was like, I don't think this guy's getting out there anytime quick. It's it's a tough spot to be in. All right, so John, so after graduation at Vermont Tech, what's your plan? You heading right to the right to the Cape, right to Cutting Hunk? No, I'm doing going to California. Oh, you are. I'm going to Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. See my brother Jamie and his family. Oh my it's god! Five kids. The University of Oregon. See the Redwoods. My mother turns eighty this year. She turned eighty already. So this is our family getaway with her. Oh, that's fantastic. Going to see you, new bow. Yeah, my nice. junior in high school wants to go check that out. Go Ducks. Go to the Redwoods. Yeah, and do that for a week. Come back. You know, plan to go to Massachusetts. Yeah. Send one son off to New Zealand on July third. Which one? Henry. Goes off for five months. So buying him some backcountry stuff. He's planning to ski and going into winter. So Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's doing right. It, doing how many, a, how many a kids semester you abroad. Two two boys. Two boys. So Henry's going to the University of Christchurch. University of Canterbury in Christchurch in Southern South Island. That sounds really great. I know. I I'm, really, I'm super <laughs> jealous. I was just checking yeah. out plane tickets on Expedia, and there's no <laughs> chance we're going. <laughs> Mostly because it takes two days to get there, and two days, or three, or something. Right? You just can't get the time. Yeah. So yeah. he's going to, yeah, he's going there, and then comes back. He travels for a week. They're taking a couple, he's going with his girlfriend from Cuddy Hunk, so they're, they teamed up, so they're going to the same university. Oh, okay. We don't, have to, we don't have to go any further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This but is, this is a family going show. to Fiji on the way home. So. Oh, well done. I, I, yeah, well done, except I'm like buying the plane ticket and lamenting my situation here. But it's like, I'm going <laughs> to go to Fiji on November 26th, but uh, yeah, not going to happen. Well, so I wonder, what's your, like, what's your fun goal for the summer? Like, what's your, what, what are you going to try to... I'm working on, I have a boat project. So uh, I'm, I'm aware of the boat project. I'm working... Working on a boat in my backyard here in Vermont. We've got a big boat. And um, I don't know. Doing some things at the college. We have a lot of things going on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. We have to talk about the boat project just a little bit. Yeah, what are you you building? What are you doing? So I've got a 45-foot wooden catch in my backyard in Randolph, Vermont here. Don't mask it. 45 feet. Finishing the framing in Black Locust. we got to try to get some planks on that thing. 
waiting to have a little planking party, bring some of my closest friends <laughs> the, in. The, the catch You're means, now one of my closest the friends. The catch means that the foremost, right, is shorter it's than the catch, main mist. So, um, no, that would be a screener. So a catch has two, has two So masks. different, yes. But, but the front one is taller, and the back one is ahead of the rudder. Ahead of the rudder. Y'all is where the back, the stern mast, okay. otherwise known as the mizzen, mm. is in the is 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 behind the rudder, which is a little right. unusual. There aren't very many y'alls that catch. There's two got two masts. At least it had two masts thirteen years ago when it, we we moved it into the. Was it thirteen years ago? So, so the masts are still there. This is a wooden boat. This is a wooden, wooden boat. boat. So chicky. Oh, hair. dude, this is such a it's giant a endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it's it's I'm, a, you're catching. I'm too aware of that. It's a new family, essentially. Because yeah. it's going to cost that much. It's like, and my family family. has grown. My sons have grown several feet in height and age, you know, and, and um, so now I'm still working on the boat, but it's going well. <laughs> yeah. And I've got another boat, so while the other boat, I'll have to go put that in the water. We've got a fiberglass, normal fiberglass, 30-foot sailboat, so that's what my son will be living on. And you, are you sailing on Lake Champlain? Down in Buzzards Bay, in Cudiancai. Okay, okay. So you, you do yeah. the summer thing down there. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always dream of having a, a little thing to haul out onto Lake Champlain. Because oh, yeah. it seems like great sailing, lovely. great fun, and you can jump in the water, and it's really warm. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, would be great. it's not cold. And there's no sharks. And there's no sharks. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do think that one of the best, so with the boat project, which has been going on a long time, one of the best <laughs> conversations that we ever had was with our friend Damon, who was talking about his personal dream, which was to finally break the four-minute mile. And we were talking about, like, what was going to be... He himself would run it. He himself would break the four-minute mile, which he never broke in college. Okay. Um, But he... but And I was sort of putting my money on the fact that the boat was going to get done before... Damon you can. Was, that's yeah. a sure bet. <laughs> Since I don't think Damon has a rat's chance in hell of breaking the four minute mile. I would totally but, agree um, with that. Actually, he's looking pretty. He's, looking he's pretty, pretty fit, but he's not going to break. But four minute mile. mile? He's I mean, fifty something years old, so it's not going to happen. Run. I mean, he will like um, of anybody. He'll like. And I don't know how that fares for where the boat's going, but we'll think positively. <laughs> I'm, I'm still. I have my money on the boat. Like I just, I just saw something uh, on my uh, little Facebook feed about juggling. And what is juggling? Juggling is jogging and juggling. And a guy who does a 4.4 minute mile juggling? while juggling. Really? That's serious, <laughs> right? I, that's three, what I said. Three balls? Now, of what? course, I did not read the whole thing and I didn't <laughs> go into it. I was just like, wow, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> juggling. I feel, that's really fast, Another way to right? feel like an underachiever. Yeah. I feel like the juggling thing is just like, I'm gonna break a <laughs> ten minute mile while wearing a clown suit. Like, who's done that? Nobody. I'm gonna do that. Like, there's so many people that are like that, right? We want to. We want to win. Uh, actually, uh, Bear's brother John, when they were in high school, they made the Guinness Book of World Records for leapfrogging. Yeah, I was. In, I was in that high school at that time. Were you really? Do you, were you in that? Group? I remember high school. I was in that group. They were older. I was like, I was like a freshman or maybe in eighth grade, and they were juniors or seniors. And they decided they wanted to break a world record. And they've done, it's happened several times at Hanover High School. That many of them, they were the first group. Yeah. And they said, what's the leapfrogging record? And they set up around the football field. And they started leapfrogging. And they had they just kept doing it for days. They had you know, camped out. You switched yeah. off people. They continuously leapfrogged for I don't know how long it was. Well, whatever it took. And then it got broken like the next year or something. Oh, like, they, but they <laughs> did it. They got in. They did it. They broke a world record. I've never broken a world record. But there's also, yeah, I know, but. I guess we could go that way, but do we want to break the world record? I mean, I don't know. Do you? I think the world records have become so silly now that you don't want to. In 1974, it would have been interesting. Yeah. When you, you did you ever used to open the Guinness World Book? I used to oh, get the time. Guinness it was, World Book it was the greatest and actually thing read get. it. I, I love it. actually read it. I love yeah. it. And it had some accountability, like the world doesn't have anymore. So <laughs> does the world have accountability? Think, here's, here's here's my question to you. Do you think that the Guinness Book of World Records does it mean anything now? Stopped meaning anything when it went online. Was that was that the like that was the jumping the shark? Right. No, it stopped having any meaning when we had uh, widespread access to the internet. Right. Yeah. Because like, then you could see the records all the time. Yeah. And it didn't Absolutely. Anymore. 
And you could create your own records. Yeah. You could just do stupid stuff and be the first person and become, you know, it's like Andy Warhol's statement just became true. Everyone became famous in five minutes. So you can There's hold the world record on YouTube for five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Or five, yeah, 15 seconds of fame. It's like, sure. you're the world record holder in some stupid thing. It's like <laughs> kids are like eating laundry pods and things like that. You're like, what? <laughs> Like it's it's a tough used to do all sorts of stupid things. Though, really, yeah. isn't like the 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 whole other side of this, you know, internet craze and and kids looking at these things and getting excited about it and yeah, you know, eating pods. What is that? Is that, that notoriety? What does notoriety in the world mean anymore? Like when you anyone can be notable for for anything. Short period of time. It just seems like we're gonna get tired of it. If you picked a really Hopefully. good thing. I don't know now. I don't know what that means, but you you're gonna <laughs> set the world record in something awesome, clearly defined. I don't know. I, I don't know if you know what I mean, but like something that has <laughs> is like clearly defined and not. I, I I don't know. I can't come up with a good example of it, but you know, like Some, something that would be meaningful, world record and under and meaningful. understandable by people, like yeah. understandable. Like wow, I could I you know if they're like. Yeah, that person ate the most like salsa packs from Taco Bell and like whatever, <laughs> like whatever. But if it's something that everyone it's could not actually... like the basic stuff anymore, like like holding your breath underwater. Yeah, something like exactly. Like that. See, that's understandable. Yeah, everybody yeah. can grasp that. Everyone yeah. can grasp that. So if it's a graspable thing, we, we've lost touch with. Things it's almost like we should have a subset of the basic Guinness Book of exactly. World Records. Redefine <laughs> it. Throw yeah. out all this other crap and like just. Pick the hundred that really and, counts. And let's do like the whole Usain Bolt kind of thing. Like, this, here's the fastest man in the world. Yeah. Yeah. In Vermont. Here's the, <laughs> here's the <laughs> slowest man in the world. In Vermont. Like, we can do that. Oh. This is next level. Should we get into to records for the state I of Vermont? Great. I mean, because Guinness, does the, is there not a relationship are you, between... Are you going the slowest man in the world in Vermont? Like, what was that? Were you thinking, Scott... Get rid of the world, just do them all. I mean, why no, I think he was getting at like super local. Our podcast. Yeah. So then we have to come, have to come up records. with a different name other than Guinness, right? Well, must be something. We're some, something Vermont. Sip of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Lawson's Lawson's World, 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 world records. records. Yeah, I, I'm just saying it's not a terrible idea. Yeah. No, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, we should do a podcast about. It. And I think we're going to have these contests at the roundup. <laughs> Throughout. <laughs> we just did the opposite. Throughout the okay. summer. Okay, I'm going to ask a stupid question. What's the roundup? For those, for those <laughs> listeners who don't know what the roundup that's, is. That's, roundup. that's a great question. So, the roundup. So, right here beneath the uh, Bridge Street podcasting studio is a parking lot. And in the summer, every Wednesday night, they host something called the roundup, which is... Live music, food trucks, beer, all on the river, uh, which is drawn. Yeah, we should say that it's not just a parking lot. There's a river and a covered yeah. bridge. It's very lovely. It's, it's quite <laughs> sick. Yeah. Yeah, but, it's it's, nice. but it's but it's lovely, and it's and it's honestly draws sellout crowds every Wednesday night through yeah. the summer. Yeah, and uh, the roundup is 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 pretty rad. I mean, it's a very family friendly. It's not a it's not a hipster rager kind of a thing like. Uh, until you have someone trying to eat the most number of marshmallows <laughs> yeah. in the state of Vermont. Right. So, right. It's going to get like that because that's where we're going to start the exactly. super local. Oh, I'm sorry. Yo yo's and Lawson's, Lawson's Book of World Records. Well, it's open for sponsorship. We like, like I mean, it could be Bentel, could be Frost. Well, like, like, I mean, we're, you know, we're open to, we're open to offers on the whole thing. Yeah. But I think that's, I mean, Everybody wants to be special. And, and, you know, it's funny. Like, I think, you know, the other sort of tagline for Super Local I was thinking of was like, one down, 622,000 to go. It's just like, we'll see if we can get everybody in Vermont on the pod at some point. that many, Drew. I know. Well, you can can do it, Chicky. All right, I'll hang with you. It's going to be fun. And yeah. we're only going to do them one a week. We have plenty of time. Like, like we're not great at math, but I, I figured... 600,000 to go, not 620. Okay, yeah, six, maybe 600,000. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, What a week, fun, this, uh, yeah, that'll work. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so... Well, hold on. We, we got I, I'd be here. remiss if I did not get into the subject. Okay, here we um, go. 
the big concept, or, or at least talk in, in around here especially, is in education, is technical education. Yes. And like so many schools have, have gone away from it, including our regional high school. And it seems to be like everybody wants it to come back because there's, there's demand for those types of jobs. And it's also like a, a great form of education for people who don't like, I don't know, traditional sorts of things or yeah. what have you. Um, what, where does Vermont Technical College, where, where does everybody play into that sort of thing? Well, I mean, our college, that's exactly our sort of niche. Right. Now, on the same token, we've been fighting things a little bit where people think we're just a technical high school. That's We're a little bit right. more than a technical high school, and it's right. not. But it also, and I, because I come from the engineering end, I would say anyone, let's say you're a local Vermont kid, you sort of got interested maybe in engineering and technical stuff later in your high school career. Right. A traditional engineering programs like at Norwich University, University of Vermont, other places like that, have a very high bar for getting into an engineering program. You have right. to do calculus from day one, all sorts of stuff. But there's industry around here needs all sorts of people. So our, we fill a niche where someone might want to go into that field, and um, they might do really well, but they don't want to go to a huge university. Right. Or they come from an academic background, just doesn't suit themselves to launch into a university-level engineering program in the first year in college. Right. And so it can be a place where you come for a couple of years and you start out, or you stop. I mean, we have degrees in you know, electromechanical engineering, architectural engineering, civil engineering. Our, our students go there and they can get a two-year degree in civil engineering and make $50,000 a year coming out of there. Right. Two years in college with almost no debt, you know, if they, if they play their cards right. So so it, it's exactly, our college is is the place where we should, right. where, where, where are we on by at the beginning of this show. Like, I know, right? Like that's it, right there. Right. right. Well, yeah, we, we could have started that's with that. Fantastic. That would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, so and where fantastic. where are we as a as a society, right? That we kind of turned our back on on some of trade schools, things like that. Yeah, and you know, it. I I'm not in secondary education, but in my experience, at least in Randolph, there's still a big division between those technical career centers. Yeah. In the high schools. Right. And it seems to me as though there are kids in students in the high schools who would gain a lot from learning, you know, going in there and, and working, you know, taking a class in that kind of a realm. Yeah. And have a little more. And there's a great, um, there's, a, there's a great book, uh, I can't remember the author's name, called uh, Shop Class for Soul Craft. It was written by a guy new who book? went off it's a new a book or old book? No, it's an old book. And it was there was an excerpt published in like the New York Times, I think, and then he published the book. Yeah. Shop class for Soulcraft. And he and he's a person who went and got a PhD in some field and then went in and worked on a ther- think tank in Washington, DC, and realized he just wanted to go back to fixing motorcycles, which is what he used to do as right. a kid and made money. Yeah. And he runs a motorcycle shop in Virginia. And right. he had a great quote where he talked about the people who are going to the highest end schools and getting the highest level of education. Yeah. And that they often can end up in positions like if you're a hedge fund manager, you're running working finance, and the implications of your choices aren't really clearly apparent to you. Like you're making huge decisions and you could be hurting people and that they would gain a right. lot by going into a class where every once in a while they bash the shit out of their finger with a hammer and realize, whoops, that's what happens when you make a mistake. <laughs> right. That they don't have that kind of really tactful feedback on what happens in their life when you're working in this disconnected environment. And that's what a technical education, a hands-on education gives you. It's really clear when you're a plumber if the toilet's working after you hook the toilet. Yeah, it's like clearly working or not working. A lot of kids work in these rails where they don't know what they're doing if it's really doing anything. Yeah. Like if it's, you know. it's always been my feeling that like you know, when you go through high school, you should at least know how a car works. Yeah. Right, the right. basics. Go out and scut skin and, and how, shoot off your knuckles before you got to run yeah, into the free change, world. and change a tire, you know, those sorts yeah. of things. And we've totally gotten away from them. And I, I don't know, just thought you'd have some Yeah, about well, I mean, that Randolph's coming around, you know, I think it was before, slightly before my time, but I think the tech center that they, they had there, they pulled all of the mills and lathes and all that kind of stuff, the manufacturing yeah. stuff, out of there. And now they're starting a manufacturing program up, but it's advanced right. manufacturing. So... This, the deal is that kind of education, everything is much 
it's very different than it was when we had like a machine industry in Springfield, Vermont in the 1960s sure. and 70s. Sure. And so it's, it, um, but it's still, it, you're right, it's still super viable. But still, it's the, sort of the, transformed. But still, the, tra- the trades, you know, electricians and plumbers and things like that, they're, they're yeah. still in high demand. They are. And they, there's tech centers all over the state that people, and it's right. hard to, and, and that's a bit of what that book is about. It's hard to encourage people into those fields, even though you can make a lot of money and, and, have a really rewarding career. I wonder why that is. Is it like, um, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, societal... Uh, it's kids these days. It's just kids these days. <laughs> John, thank you so much for hey, joining thank you us. For having I, me. I, I think that was super awesome and super local. And uh, I'm We'll glad. schedule a sail on the boat. When we get the planks when it's on, oh. out of the yard, we'll schedule a sail. <laughs> when it, when, what's the projected date? When are we, when are we putting this thing in? I don't know, you know, 2020 20, 20 something. <laughs> 2020, something like that. In the 20s. Okay. I think mean, that's right. fair. I think that's fair. We, we always high five. Oh, so nice job. Nice job. Well done. That was enjoyable. Thanks there we go. You got it.